This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, last week I was talking with one of our agents, uh, Chip McLean, up in the DFW area, and he made a statement to me that I thought was really fascinating. He said, expecting every day to be amazing is unrealistic. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's an impossibility. His thought there is around, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to own my own agency. So everything's going to be great because I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to be able to make the decisions. So how can it not be fantastic? There's a little bit of this realization after the fact. And I try to tell people this, but it's hard to tell people something that they don't experience. You try to tell people things that they haven't experienced, it doesn't matter. You can tell them all day long. Until they have experienced it, they don't quite get their head around it. And before you're an owner, you think it's just rainbows and butterflies. And the reality of it is, is that business ownership, agency ownership, it's really lonely at the top. You can get in a vacuum. And that's really where some of that difficulty starts to creep in on you is when you start feeling alone. Now, when it comes to rainbows and butterflies, if it is your business, you can paint rainbows and butterflies on your walls, but that's about as rainbows and butterflies as it's really going to get. It's about a long-term strategy. It's about creating value. And there's this thing out there that people are like, well, you can just write that off as a business expense. So why aren't you traveling more? Because it's an expense. It's still an expense. It doesn't matter if you can write it off or not. What are we writing off? That statement drives me crazy and obviously comes from a non-business owner. Because if you're a business owner, you get it. Yeah, but we'd still spent money. These stories from my terrible husband days, before I became a great husband, I was a really, really bad husband. One of the really funny conversations used to be, you would not believe how much money I saved at Hobby Lobby today. And my response to that would be, how much did you spend? Well, that doesn't matter how much I spent because I saved us so much money. That type of thing is what I hear when I hear things like, you can just write it off. It's, it's just a business expense to you. You can just write it off. It's an expense. It's an expense. It reduced yes, it profits. I think one of the reasons this pie-in-the-sky idea is out there is coming from our agents maybe that have been in the captive world. And things have changed so much contractually with them over the last few years. Bonuses have been changed They're being told that they have to be open specific hours. And then if you have the old contract, you have to do this. And then people that have new contracts don't have those same kind of regulations. So I can see where the thought process is coming from because of the hindrances that so many of them are seeing. I believe that there's a captive that has recently said, you have to open your office at 7.30 in the morning and you have to be open until 7.30 at night. Well, if work-life balance is important to you, you're losing hours with your kids by having to do that. It's the mandate environment, right? And nobody likes a mandate. I mean, one of the things in the insurance industry that we struggle with is the fact that coverage is generally required because of some kind of mandate. There's either a bank asking you to provide proof of coverage or there is a law, auto insurance, requiring you to provide proof of coverage. Anytime you see as a business owner, when you realize, well, oh, I have a regulator. 
I have to do something someone says, or you work for a certain company and somebody comes down the pipe with, you must do this. You don't get to do it. You have to do this. It's not, hey, we think it's a good idea and a best practice that you open at 7.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. If you wanted to do that, you would do it. But it's not the same when it's, you have to do it. That reality of the mandate is what puts us down this path of it just doesn't feel good. And if I get to choose that as a business owner, well, then that's a business choice I'm making. That's really where we get sideways a lot of times is what really comes down the pipe as a mandate. Before you're a business owner, you think it's all my choice. I get to do whatever I want. And then when you become a business owner, you realize that there are some regulators out there that you can't do that. You have to actually comply with law or you have to actually do some things that are maybe not as fun or you didn't know about those things. You have to hire people. You have to manage people. You have to set some policies in place. And you realize that no one is thinking the way you're thinking and things go sideways really quick. And so you didn't think about that before you employed people. But now as a business owner, you do employ people and you find yourself creating the same mandates that you despised before you were an owner yourself. Because we do what we're taught, even if we don't like it. That's right. You just grabbed a book off your shelf. What's going on in your head? Before someone is a business owner, and I'm using business owner generically, but obviously in our world, an agency owner, independent agency owner. We see companies that we aspire to be, and we see where they're at today, but we don't necessarily have the immediate understanding of the journey that they've been on. We see Starbucks, picking on Starbucks because that's the book that I happen to grab. If it's Pour Your Heart Into It from Howard Schultz, it's the story of Starbucks. And you go back through the timeline of Starbucks, and if you just showed up on the planet today, if you're a Gen Z, you're adulting, and Starbucks is your thing, well, your assumption naturally is Starbucks has always been because in your life, Starbucks has always been. But if you go back 40 years, Starbucks had less than 100 locations globally in the 80s. So there's a timeline here where Starbucks went through so many different things and phases and went on a journey. But if we're sitting there going, well, I aspire to create an insurance version of Starbucks. Well, you have to understand the journey may be a 40-year journey that you're going on. You can't just look at where Starbucks is today and go, that's what I'm going to be. Okay, great, but you're not going to be there tomorrow. There is this journey that you're going to go on, and we have this perspective sometime about companies before we become business owners that we aspire to. And my one I use all the time is the third, fourth generation independent agency across town. I use that one a lot. You're not going to achieve where they're at in a week. It's going to take you some time. They're on generation number four and they're doing this. That's really important about our rationale. And we're on generation number two with our retail agency. That's correct. So when you look at the difference between where your dad started the agency to where you are now, and then looking across the street, up the road, you know, there's a huge difference there. And we're successful, we're very successful. Yes, and the reality is, is we've looked up the street 
across county lines, etc. To there's two or three agencies that are in our greater East Texas area, if I can say <laughs> it that way, the Micropolitans of Lufkin and Nacogdoches, and there are some very regional, large agencies in our area. They, one of them has been acquired by a large bank. They were very successful. They have been very successful agencies that are in their third, I believe, generation, both of them. We looked at them the same way I'm talking about today is what happens. We had that view of them in the late 90s. As a matter of fact, it actually dictated a little bit of our strategy. We said, no, we're not going to become the forest products insurance platform because someone is already doing that in our area. One of them became a huge writer program business around franchises nationally. We weren't going to go do that. And so we were able to look at those multi-generational agencies and kind of set our course to go a different path because it didn't make sense. It just didn't make strategic sense to go head to head in their niche that they had a 30-year head start on. So it has to be a little bit satisfying as the startup that came along doing things, to quote Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, right? It has to give you some gratification that those big agencies that you were looking at are now copying our tactics. Yes, it's gratifying. But we talk about comparison is the thief of joy. One of the best decisions we ever made was after doing the comparison game for several years is figuring out that we didn't need to be in the comparison game. And I hope and I wish that all agency owners would get that and understand that. But here we are today and we've had some scenarios where, yeah, we've been copied. Very flattering. But it's not going to drive us. Right in some way to a different place or make us react or anything like that. It's this reality. I want people to dream, but I also want them to have realistic views of how things work and where things are. And I would be viewed as an anarchist in some circles. I'm very conservative, but I've always ran against the grain. Some people in the industry that has known me for a long time might say, oh yeah, he's always pushing the button or envelope over here. That's true. But then there's other cases where when I did that, it was calculated. There was a very strategic, calculated push the button. It wasn't just, I don't like what they're doing, so we're going to do it differently. It was never an emotional approach. It was always a calculated, strategic approach. Because we're sitting here and we're going, they write sawmills, they write log trucks, they write everything that's going on in East Texas because we're a big lumber industry. So it's natural for us to think we should go do that. Then we looked around and said, oh, well, who's writing all these school districts? And lo and behold, the people writing the school districts were from Dallas. They were from Houston. They were not local. And so one of our former staff members trained me, Sandra Denman. She wrote our first school district in 1990. And she just kept growing and growing and growing. Lo and behold, we became the East Texas experts for public school districts. That became a niche for us. That was not us looking at our peer and going, we're going to be them. It was us looking at our peer and taking a David versus Goliath approach. So what does it feel like now to still be in that David mindset, but from the outside, be Goliath? From the outside, 
we may look like Goliath, we always want to be David. It's really, really important that we always keep a David mindset. The reason for that is the minute we start acting like Goliath is the minute we start crumbling. That's the minute we start going backwards. Even if we look like that and the perception is that in some circles, we always want to act like David because if we start acting like a Goliath, there's a bigger Goliath somewhere else that's ready to crush us. Think back to the sports days. I was great in high school, but when I got to Oklahoma State, they were playing at a whole nother level. And it was this realization that you can be great in your circle, but there's always somebody in another circle out there that's working their tail off. You're not just competing as an athlete with the people you can see. You're competing with the people you can't see. And that's really important when it comes to the business side of things, when it comes to strategic thinking about your business. And you think you're competing with the guy down the street, but we have Geico. We have all these direct channels. We have all of these multi-billion dollar ad spins going on. We have global brokers on the commercial side. You're not going to go toe-to-toe with Marshmack or some of these really large global brokers on an account. You're going to have to go in and strategically look at that account differently. You're going to have to provide relationship. You're going to have to bring something different to the table because if you just go in there, Goliath to Goliath, well, you're in trouble because you're probably not as Goliath as they are. You talk about calculated risk all the time. How did you learn to do that? Like, How did you learn what a really strategic approach toward business should look like? I failed a lot. It goes back to when you have some money behind you to throw at things, you tend to be risky if it's not your money. You tend to have less accountability around it unless somebody that's giving you money actually puts some really good parameters around it, which most people don't. Even bankers uh, don't do that. If you're coming into an agency like I did and it wasn't my money yet, I was more risky. I was rolling the dice every chance I could get. And it took that statement of keep going, but there's no more money. Now you got to find out a way to do this. And I think about the bootstrap mentality that I had to move to. I had to move to the grind it stage. There was no money. I had to do it without the money. I had to figure this out. And you automatically have to move to, okay, is that a good idea or a bad idea? And what if I do this and this happens? And it had to be calculated. It could no longer just be, why not? It could no longer just be, let's just do it and see what happens. It had to be, let's calculate our outcome. Let's figure out what our percentages are. And I was actually terrible at probability and statistics. I actually failed the course in college, embarrassingly, and had to retake it, probably because I didn't go to class. But that's a whole other story, and we won't go there. But (laughs) I was majoring in baseball. Right. Before I majored in finance, I majored in baseball. It was later on when I figured out that I wasn't going to be making money at baseball that I paid attention to finance. So you have this reality that you have to measure the risk. Another word for calculated risk would be measure the risk. Get another phrase there that would fit in. It just becomes necessary when you can no longer throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. If we're looking at this from that perspective, if we're looking at this from a, an if-then perspective, to use a technology term, what would you just say to someone that gets so caught up in the mentality of, if I do this, then this could happen. If I do this, then this could happen. Because there's a paralysis that can come from that 
that a lot of people struggle with. The key thing there that I find most people struggling with is the second part of that phrase. It's not the calculated part. They're calculating, but it's the risk part. Most individuals, especially those say from producer or someone trying to launch out into agency ownership for the first time. Most of the time, they are trying to eliminate risk. They're trying to make it go away. Because we're risk managers. This is what we do for a living. In, In our minds. And we're trying to say, I want to do this, but I don't want to take any risk. It's not going to happen. You're never going to eliminate your risk. You're never going to calculate this to a risk level of zero. You can run through the calculations, you can you can do projections, you can talk to 150 different advisors and get 150 different opinions about what you should do and what you should not do, and you're still not going to take your risk to zero. And I think most people try to eliminate risk. It's not reasonable. You're never going to do that if you're going to be a business owner. Every decision is going to have some risk attached to it. Everything we do has risk attached to it. It's risky every time you get in your truck and drive across the street to the barbecue restaurant. If, if you wake up in the morning, count your blessings that you woke up, the day is full of risk. The coffee pot can burn you. You can walk out the door and trip and fall. Something can happen driving into work. Large you know, log can fall off the side of a truck and hit your windshield. It can. And as risk managers, we face it. We see it. We are in the middle of it. And as agency owners, it's a double whammy. We're dealing with our client risk, but we're also dealing with our own ownership risk. One of the things that I've always felt like made us successful, made me successful as an agent, was being able to look at another business owner that I'm trying to help, a commercial customer, and go, here's the risk. You're not going to eliminate the risk to zero. This is the risk. If you do this, you have to make a business decision. Do you want to self-insure, take the deductible up another 25000 Do you want to implement this loss control measurement? Do you want to do this? What's the cost of that? The consultative approach to commercial lines insurance is, I think, extremely important because we are business owners. And especially if you're an agency owner and you are getting into commercial or you are a commercial lines expert or want to be a commercial lines expert, guess what? You get to speak from a place of ownership. You get to speak from a place of like, yeah, I get it. That was always one of the things that drove me and I always had as an approach when it came to commercial as a producer back when I did that was just being able to sit there and talk layman's terms with another business owner. You could cover that or you could self-insure that. Maybe it's a piece of property or something that hasn't had any updates or whatever. And it's just something that you can bring to the table that's different We get caught up in here by this insurance policy and we forget that it's about consultation. And then at the end of the day, when the business owner that you're talking with says, my risk level is at X, well, now you develop the insurance coverage to transfer that risk from them. That's what you should be doing as an insurance producer, as a commercial producer. That's a unique vantage point, owner to owner. Thinking about expecting every day to be amazing and the risk that's involved with owning a business. I think there are risks that we don't think about until we're in it, whether it is a use of time, whether it's 
how we interact with people, interact with our team members, even down to the way we set our offices up. We have these unknowns. And granted, if you're successful and you have more people in the future, things are going to change. My job is dramatically different than 10 years ago. It's dramatically different than four years ago. That's what I was about to say. It's dramatically different than when I started. Yeah. I recently changed my LinkedIn profile my title was Chief Translation Officer. And that was actually a mentor that really taught me through my real role. Sure, president, CEO, whatever the traditional title might need to be. But what's my actual practical role? What do I do all day? And once I kind of talked through that with him, he's the one that kind of shed light on this, is your real job is chief translation officer. Your job is to communicate and translate. What does this mean? Where's your career opportunity? How does this work with the customer experience process? I spend the majority of my day talking to people, whether that's agents, staff, customers, I spend my entire day translating what's going on. Where are we going? That's risky. Oh, let's sit down and talk about that. I don't know if we want to do that one yet. That is completely different than 2005 when I'm selling insurance, when I'm out recruiting our agents. That's a completely different role. As an agency owner, you wear many hats, multiple hats, especially day one if you're solopreneur and your employees' names are me, myself, and I. So you're gonna have multiple hats. And the exercise that will really, really open your eyes is the exercise of the org chart. Create your org chart, how your end game looks as your vision, put your chief vision officer hat on and grow, write out, draw out your org chart. After you write the positions and the job function, then, fill the name in with your staff. Well, day one, guess whose name is in all of those spots? Well, yours, of course. It's your name, right? But then when you hire your first employee, well, your first employee may actually go into three spots or four spots. They may have multiple duties. And over time, what happens is you find that you maneuver that, you modify that, and you put different people. But what I think you will find in most agencies that are doing this successfully is if you visioned out the org structure in a well thought out manner, you're probably not gonna have to modify your structure too much. Your structure has to be created first, then put the people in. I know for us, our structure has changed a little bit, a little bit of tweak, but about 80% of our structure is the same as it was 10 years ago. The people that are in the boxes are different and there's less people having to wear multiple hats today as compared to 2005. What I think is interesting is I am more of an operator than I thought I was. An operator meaning operational things. And I don't do as much of that, but I enjoy it. I like talking with the operational folks about how things are going and what's happening and thinking about ideas on how to make things work together. Going back to the beginning of the podcast, we started out with a quote that was expecting every day to be amazing as unrealistic. Since we've been talking about this, I think maybe it's the idea of what amazing is evolves as a business owner. I would agree. When I say that my days are amazing, they are amazing. The majority of my days are amazing. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I love where our organization is and where we're going. That is a completely different space 
and place than 1998. I went through a period of time, five, six, seven years in of, is this really what I should be doing? How are we ever going to be at a place where what I read about in the magazines, the IA magazine or the insurance journal, how am I ever gonna get this place to there? How are we going to be successful like these other agencies seem to be successful? That was hard. When I joined the agency right out of college, this was going to be an amazing thing. I've got a path to ownership. I'm going to run my own business. I'm 21 years old and on a path to run a business. And how can this not be great? And I'm five or six years in going, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be doing. And so the reality of it is, is it ended up being an amazing place. But there were days, there were weeks, there were years where it was like, this is hard, but it's extremely rewarding. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Ken Doherty. The five S's of sports training are stamina, speed, strength, skill, and spirit. But the greatest of these is spirit. And I think that really applies to running our businesses as well. Absolutely it does. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.